I'm Franny Matthews, President and CEO of Colorado Technology Association, and you're listening to Colorado Voices on Tech, a podcast dedicated to getting to know the leaders and innovators driving advancement in our community through technology. On today's episode, we are joined by John Street, CEO and founder of Pax8. Pax8 is a leading cloud commerce marketplace. John has an amazing entrepreneurial record. He has launched many new businesses, including four that reached Inc. 500 status. He was named in 2022 as the CEO of the year by Colorado Biz Magazine, and he currently serves on the board for the Institute for Cultural Evolution. I loved my conversation with John. We spoke about his approach to business as well as his leadership style. We talked about seeing gaps in the market and how he looks at risk. In fact, it was such a great conversation, we decided to split it into two parts. This episode is part one of our conversation. We discuss his path as an entrepreneur and how his passion for innovation has led him to pursue opportunities in emerging technologies. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Welcome, John. I'm really, um, I was, have been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, you and I had an opportunity to meet on a couple of occasions, but we've never had a t- chance to really talk. So thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks for having me, Franny. So, John, whenever I have an opportunity to talk to leaders in the tech industry, I always want to ask the question, what inspired you? What's so interesting about the tech industry that has inspired you to uh, to start businesses in it? Well, I kind of fell into it. That's a little bit of a secret. But I, I started my career in public accounting, and I went into accounting with the idea that I would learn how to run a business, and, and I've lived that in my career. And really what happened was I, um, I left Arthur Anderson. I worked for Arthur Anderson in Denver years and years ago. And I left to go work for a client who was very entrepreneurial. And he did me the great favor of not being a very good boss. So I quit right away and started my own business. And like most accounting guys, um, I started off doing some consulting work with the idea that I would really try to find a business to hang my hat on. And I was doing lots of research into lots of different industries. I felt like I could probably go anywhere because I wasn't really a, didn't really have a specialty at that point. And um, I sort of fell into telecom because it was back in the mid 80s. I got uh, I was doing financial workouts for struggling companies. Um, The SNL crisis of 85 had hit. And uh, somehow I ended up with a group of guys that owned it, owned a small long distance resale company based in Colorado Springs. And I ended up moving here and and I met a guy that was very expert in the industry and I fixed that company. And he told me if I could fix that company, he knew I was looking to start a business. He said, why don't we form a business and we'll do, we'll, we'll get into, I'll feed you these companies that need help and we'll start to buy them. And so we, we formed a new company, Teleconcepts Inc. 
And um, we, our first acquisition was a little company based in Denver called Telephone Express. And we ended up acquiring about 10 companies and kind of put together about six to eight million in revenue through these acquisitions. So they're small. And then we uh, got really good. Uh, at the time we were doing that, the acquisition costs became more expensive because there was a company called WorldCom, if you remember these guys. They were acquiring everybody and they were kind of driving the price up. So we we started to focus on more organic growth and really got into, um, we got really good at that too. So we stopped acquiring companies and we ended up growing Telephone Express into the largest Rocky Mountain based long distance company. Um, and and uh, what really drove me into the tech side of it was while we were doing all that, that was a that was an artificially created market to break up the bell companies. And so the whole idea of the long distance business was you were really running, um, you were running your services on existing telco facilities and the bell companies were forced to let you use their facilities so that they could, you know, so, so the FCC could deregulate them. So I was always a bit leery. Uh, when the rules would change and how it might be, how might we might struggle in the future. And with the Telecom Act of 96 and other things that were happening in the industry, there was a disruption of, with voice over IP. We uh, ended up selling that company and we did very well because we sold really at the top of the market. Along the way in 92, so I, I had that company through early 97, but in 92, we really started branching out and looking for other opportunities that um, were emerging to start to move away from the telco business. And I was introduced by my now co-founder of PAX8, Klaus Dimmler. He, he came and spoke at an Economic Development Council meeting in Southern Colorado, which I was on that board. And he, and he, he uh, came and talked to us about this newfangled thing called the Internet. And I was very fascinated by this. And in fact, he had an hour-long talk with the whole group, and I cornered him at the meeting, and we talked for five, six hours after that. And ultimately, I ended up buying his partner out of his business, and off I went into the internet business. So that's sort of how I got into high tech. And um, as we got further into it, we really started looking at the landscape of where was this thing really going? And we were very early at it. But in the summer of 93, we spent a lot of time um, hanging out after work. Neither of us had kids at that point. And we talked well into every, almost every evening. We talked about where is this thing going? And we, I, you know, in a way, I wish we had taped our conversations because we accurately predicted a lot of things. Um, the timing, not so much. But probably the biggest thing that we worked on was this concept which we were calling network layer services, which is now what everybody's calling the cloud. But we recognized back in the early 90s that as you began to have uh, sort of ubiquity of access to this large internet network, that it would be very, um, it would make sense that, that uh, all of these little nodes on the network, which were LAN closets and all these little local area networks, would really begin to collapse so that you'd move a lot of that functionality up one layer in the network, kind of the compute and storage, which is really, you know, the essence of the cloud. So that was our beginning of our journey into high tech. And we focused, 
we already had an internet access company, but I wanted to move away from that for the very same reason I wanted to move away from the long distance resale business, because we assumed it would be the long-term domain of facility-based telcos and cable TV companies, which is generally true. And we wanted to focus more on internet, administra internet administrative services, which are now known as SaaS companies. And so we started to focus on that SaaS ecosystem and what we could do to, to, um, to you know, have a viable business in that sector. Well, you know, it's interesting. Well, first of all, you and I have a lot of intersections. I worked in the uh, uh, serving the telco industry for a number of years and was so confused by the network side of it, I wound up getting a master's in it. And it was in the early 90s before the Telecommunications Act of 96. And so while all the the uh, you know political atmosphere was going on. I was you know writing papers trying to figure out where this was going. So the this whole thing is completely fascinating. The one thing that um, I find interesting about how you picked where you were going to go. I love that you picked. How are we going to um, you know let's stop acquire or it, it, let's not focus on acquiring. Let's focus on making these companies successful. Um, one question I would ask is when you were looking at something that was struggling or enterprise that was struggling and you were making a decision on whether you would add them to your portfolio, what were the things you were looking for that were the strengths? Well, it didn't really work like that. And I'll tell you why, because in this case, it was just the pure traffic. You had these small little telephone companies who were not at critical mass and they really could not afford uh, the overhead it took, the administrative back office you had to run to run a, a, a telco. So they were just chronically undersized. And so we we would focus in on getting their traffic and picking one or two really key players to hire with that. But generally speaking, we were just acquiring the traffic. And the, the, the ownership group that we approached, they were they were mostly... Um, they were struggling because they were losing money. We gave them a way to get out and make some money and kind of salvage their what looked like was going to be a pretty bad investment because that critical mass uh, piece of it was tough to achieve. And uh, we once we were there, which we were there pretty quickly, everything you added on top of it was incremental and very, very low cost to provide. So, so that's how we started that. So, not too much, um, we, we were buying assets and not too much assessment of the, the staffs we were acquiring. Now, we've, we've acquired seven companies at PAX 8 now, and, and there's a lot more work on the cultural fit and the things we're doing to make sure that the, the people fit is there. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and the one other question I'll, I'll ask you on that general uh, area is, uh, uh, commoditization. It looks like you, I mean, in, in what you just described on that consolidation of these small telecom, telecom companies, you uh, consolidated for efficiency. We do. Uh, that's that's and, the whole game. For yeah. Sure. So I, I kind of see you doing the same thing with PAX8 uh, in the, uh, in the MSP market and in cloud in general. Uh, can you talk a little bit about when you know when you took a look at what was going on with cloud, and it seemed I'll also pause on that because it seemed to me like cloud was 
shadow IT and an academic curiosity. And within a very short period of time, it became a strategic initiative. Uh, and, and in that, it caused a huge rush in the market, but lots of inefficiency. So talk about what PAX8 does in that realm. The idea of PAX8 is actually pretty simple. Um, we looked at the the IT uh, supply chain, how, how companies acquired uh, new IT products, how vendors sold them. And we also, uh, my previous company was MX Logic, which we, we created uh, after, after Telephone Express, we had an internet access company. And then we, our first foray into the internet administrative services was, was email. And we looked at email as a, in telco terms, as a central office function that you didn't need to run small nodes on the network to run email servers. You needed to do that like in a big telco way. So we, we started doing that. In fact, USA Net, we have the distinction of being the guys who actually invented web-based email. And, and, uh, the interesting part of this, it's not very well known, but, um, we were selling it as a subscription service. And about a year after we started, uh, this little company called Hotmail came along and gave the way gave away the product for free. So kind of screwed up our our business model. And um, we I learned how to capitalize a company because I, I had bootstrapped my first company, but we capitalized this company, went after venture money, and I I uh, let me just call it a, an interesting learning experience. I, I didn't do it all right. And actually, at the I sold controlling interest of USA Net at the, at the in the early in early two thousand, and it didn't have the outcome we had hoped. But um, but at the time we sold controlling interest of it, it had thirty three million customers, so it was it was pretty widely used. But that what what happened with that is at USA Net we morphed we we started watching the emergence of anti spam companies because effectively free emailers created spam and we were watching people monetize the filtering. So it's kind of, we kind of kid about it. It's kind of like the John McAfee model. The, the, uh, the history of McAfee was apparently, and this is, I don't know if this is lore or fact, but John McAfee had the first antivirus, but a lot of people think he created a virus so he could, so he could cure it. And in many ways we had, we had created spam. So we thought we'd be particularly good at curing it. Um, we formed MX Logic, and this is where I learned a lot about the channel ecosystem. So what we learned was that there's a whole vibrant ecosystem of outsourced IT providers who are the back office IT function for small business. And so we got very good at, at leveraging that channel as we were selling MX Logic products. Ultimately, we got a great offer from uh, McAfee, who bought us out, and we we. Uh, we took the money and ran and, and, and that we did that in 2009 and I knew I'd start one more. So we looked at a lot of different things and um, I kept coming back to this emerging IT ecosystem that was full of this, what we're going to now be exploding cloud products, the SaaS products. And you could just see how there was just going to be thousands of new products coming to market. And so the idea of PAX8 is really about how to um, get these products to the small business market. So we looked at the IT ecosystem and a lot of the distribution layer was set up in the 80s and 90s by big uh, distributors like Ingram Micro and Aero Electronics, T2 
TD Cynix. And there was a there was a component of distribution because largely it was hardware. And if it was software, it was shrunk wrap, so you had to physically ship something. And so you could see during during my tenure at MX Logic, we tried to leverage these distributors, and they really weren't set up for a software-only business. So we started looking at this and and really thought we could change how the IT supply chain feeds these products to market. And so the idea of Pax8 is pretty simple. For the, for the, uh, for the SaaS provider themselves, virtually no one can afford the cost of customer acquisition at the low end of the market. Uh, SaaS companies should really focus on servicing bigger customers, refine their product, and, and really focus on that and kind of seed the low end of the market to effective aggregators, which in this era of this era of time is not distribution, it's actually a marketplace. So we focus on creating this, this marketplace. And for this small, for the small business guy, the most effective way to get product was through his service provider, through his IT shop. And there's tens of thousands of these guys in the US alone and and a lot more than that worldwide. And um, these are, you know, stereotypically maybe 10 to 12 really technically strong people who service maybe 30, 40, 50 small business clients. It's a, it's a very cost effective way for the small business to have that ecosystem, to have their IT needs taken care of. Um, a lot cheaper than hiring someone directly, get full support, get services across, don't have a single point of failure. Uh, maybe spend three thousand. Maybe a thirty-person law firm spends three thousand a month for the basic service, as opposed to hiring an IT professional that's six or seven thousand dollars a month. They get better coverage, and so we knew this. We we knew all about these guys, and um, and we knew that they needed sort of the easy button because they were going to have all of this explosion of new SaaS products, and they're already crushed for time. And so they need someone who can kind of curate the buying experience and, and make it easy for them to provision and build these products to their downstream clients. And so that was the genesis of Pax8. And, and um, it, it really is working. Today, we have, we've signed up over 30,000 MSPs across the world, about 20,000 are active buyers, and we currently service 400,000 small businesses through this network. There's two things that are really interesting about it. One, the SaaS provider themselves, the churn rate is extremely lower if their product is sold through a service provider. Because as you can imagine, if I'm a small business and I buy a SaaS product, I might try it, but a lot of times I'll just try it. And then, you know, I've been, it's kind of like your mobile app. So I'm guessing if you look on your telephone, you probably have 25 mobile apps you don't really use, but you just sort of signed up for them. And a lot of this happens in, in small business um, SaaS products. They might use it a couple of times and not really use it. Um, and so when they buy it through a service provider, um, the service provider really understands their IT ecosystem and puts it in there with the full intention of turning it up. For the, for the vendor themselves then, um, they, they, really, they really are able to access this smaller business clientele at a much more efficient rate. So if you fast forward, Pax8 is doing extremely well now. We're 1,700 people across about 20 countries and, and doing a, about a billion and a half in sales now. 
servicing 400,000 partners to the 20,000 buying partners. We fast forward to 2032, so it's only eight years out, really. And we expect to be doing, um, we expect that we'll be doing business with about 4 million small businesses, servicing about 150 million people. So somewhere in the four to 5 million range. So you can imagine as a SaaS company, we like to use the analogy of like if you have a new barbecue sauce, what you need is shelf space at Walmart. You're just going to have a lot of people see it. So from our perspective, by creating this marketplace and creating a really, really extensive back office network that services millions of people through the small business network, that you put a new SaaS product, we have 4 million buyers of SaaS products, and you as a new SaaS company get 1% penetration. You could have your product into 40,000 small businesses. So, you know, it's interesting because it sounds to me like you kind of solved the problem of a low barrier to entry because you've you've matured on the back end on what the solution is. And there's so much value that it would be really hard to compete, do a startup and compete against you guys. Not that you're, you have a monopoly. <laughs> no, but you, you bring up a great point because one of the things Klaus and I were kind of imagining what business we would go into. And I said, if we go into this business, I start off and say, we should do like iTunes for cloud apps. And it's not a perfect analogy, but it's just really easy get product, use product. And, and uh, he said, that's impossible. And I said, sounds really hard, but don't you think somebody will do it? He said, somebody's going to do it. I said, let's us do it. And that's our episode. Thank you for listening to Colorado Voices on Tech. 